This evening, what I'd like to do is look at the different Gospels and weave the story of, uh, of Jesus' last day, his last days, and uh, using verses from, from uh, Matthew, Luke, and John. And I know that there's conflicting parts there, but we, we, put the, we put it together and we come up with the same story. But uh, as we do, I, I found something that I, I want to share with you. Yeah. It'll cost you your life. 
you're willing to give your life. I'm willing to give what it takes. This reminds us about what Jesus did for us on the cross. He picked up that wooden cross and carried it to Mount Calvary because he loved you This is what it's all about tonight as we think about Good Friday. And we begin the, the, the night looking at the Gospels and uh, his disciples gathered together to, to celebrate the feast of, uh, of Passover. And it doesn't happen very often, but that's, that's tonight on our calendar and the Jewish calendar. Uh, that uh, last night was the special, the special Sabbath for Passover, and then, uh, and then today is Good Friday, and by this time, uh, Jesus was in the tomb. Uh, so, on uh, on what we call Good Friday was actually the day that Jesus hung on the cross and and uh, and passed away. But uh, this celebration that Jesus had, and what we're talking about, kind of centers around communion. And it was, uh, uh, it's less of a celebration and more of a prelude for coming events. Namely, his arrest and his trial and his crucifixion and his burial. And all that Jesus was uh, going to go through that, that evening. Now, you all are, are, you understand that there's several different titles for what, we, what we're going to do tonight and and the, the Lord's Supper, or, or the Last Supper, or, or Holy Communion, or Communion, or, or the Eucharist, or the Holy Eucharist. But no matter what the title, it represents the first of what is supposed to be for us. And we celebrate as Communion. And uh, the actual manner of this celebration, it varies from denomination to denomination. And from, I think, from probably church to church. And you have the different ways of uh, receiving communion. You have, you have tincture, which is something I think has been, been uh, lately. I never, never really remembered that uh, uh, when I was growing up. And, but the gathering of Christ and his disciples together occurs just days after the celebration of Jesus we celebrated Jesus coming into to Jerusalem and the waving of the palms and we had the kids marching around here and waving waving the branches and singing the song and and uh, uh, but just a thought yeah, because it kind of some the the verbiage sometimes gets to me something that we call last supper I think no this is the first this is the first Jesus initiated a new covenant. Jesus started something. It's not the last supper. It was the last supper with his disciples before he, was, uh, uh, before he rose, before he died and rose again. But, but it's, uh, it's the first. So many times we've read Luke chapter 22 at the beginning. And it brings the true meaning into perspective. 
And like I say, they, they didn't sit around a table like we do. And, and we have, you know, uh, Leonardo da Vinci, when he painted the, the painting, they were at a normal sized table. Well, they kind of reclined at a, at a low setting table. But Luke chapter 22 uh, says this. <clears throat> Likewise, he also took the cup after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood, which is shed for you. But behold, the hand of my betrayer is with me on the table. And truly, the Son of Man goes as it has been determined, but woe to that man by whom he is betrayed. Now we think about it. Uh, this is a serious time, a serious time of remembrance, and it demands our serious response. And I have not ever gone into any, any deep uh, uh, sermons on, on Paul's writing in 1 Corinthians about how serious that communion is. But I see it in some of the people that, that we have, even in our church, when we have communion, a, a couple people get up and walk out. They don't, they don't join in. They don't become a part of that. In the Church of the Nazarene, we believe in, in an open communion. You don't have to be a member uh, to, to join in with us. Uh, but anyway, there's, there are people that, you know, that, that don't partake. And Paul writes to us that it needs to be a time of reflection according to our hearts. You know, before we, we take communion. And it's nothing that we need to do out of a sense of ritual or, or tradition, but it needs to be done out of love and honor. And that, that honor is to the one who shed his blood and suffered in his body for the express purpose of having the means of redemption and restoration before God done for us. Amen? As we read on, we encounter, you read on in this story here in, in Luke 22 and also in Matthew, uh, we, we, talk, we read about the disciples. All of a sudden, they start elbowing each other. and Who's going to be the greatest one in the kingdom you know, when, when it all happens? And I'm going to be first and you're going to be, no, no, I'm before you. And, you know, uh, the, the pride starts to set in. And uh, can, you, can you ever remember anyone who who tried to brag about how smart they are. Don't you just love it when they, when, when they tell you, man, my IQ is, is such and such. You know, that's really great, you know. Or uh, how great they, they, their, their accomplishments have been and what they've done. And, you know, we may all be guilty of that from time to time because we're proud of our, our family or our kids, our grandkids. We, 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 we tend to brag a little bit. But in retrospect, the audience, the people that are listening to us when we, when we do a little bit of bragging, they're, they're politely listening and shaking their head, but they're rolling their eyes on the inside, right? Oh, brother. No one likes a braggart. So Jesus immediately addresses the discussion by saying, in effect, the greatest among you is the one who is what? The servant, the one who serves. And a part of all of this is John chapter 13, where Jesus, he takes off his outer garment and washes the feet of the disciples. You know, that, that's, that, that illustration of what a servant is was all a part of this, this first supper. We don't call it last supper. All a part of this, this first supper. 
those who serve others in any capacity should not look for recognition or financial gain and to be God's greatest. And it's so sad when celebrities name themselves. You know, Muhammad Ali. I am the greatest. I am the greatest, you know. And people remember him because he said that. I don't know if he was really the greatest, but I am the greatest. Or we've got singers that they call themselves the king of rock and roll or the queen of soul or so on and on and on and on, right? They, they want to put themselves at the top like the disciples that day. And in too many, too many instances, they have greater influence on more people in our society when they, when they do those things. The entertainers today have all of the influence. But knowing what was ahead, Jesus makes his way to the garden. And he's with his disciples, and they neared the place where Jesus was trying to, to, to get some solitude. And so he instructed the, the, his followers to, to stay here. He took the, the, the three closer with them and dropped them here. And then he went a little bit further away from them to pray. And, and then he tells them at each step not to enter any kind of temptation. And the constant barrage of temptation hits all of us. Amen? Amen. Well, one of us, maybe two. But nobody else. Say, you guys are great. You know, you're, the, you're not tempted or anything. Woo. But anyway, we have opportunities, great opportunities to serve God. And there's always opportunities for, for the same thing in, the, in temptation. And uh, uh, Jesus went on and he says... Uh, he says to pray, Father, if it is your will, in Luke here, if it is your will, take this cup away from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but yours be done. And then in the very next verse, it says that an angel came from heaven, appeared to him, and strengthened him. Can you imagine that? Can you imagine that? An emissary from God sent to strengthen the Son of of God the Son sent to strengthen him. Wow, there's some power here. There's some power here when an angel comes to strengthen God the Son. And Jesus then prayed on and he prayed harder and harder. So much so that it tells us in Luke that he began to sweat profusely like, like great drops of blood falling to the ground. Verse 44, the very next verse in, this, in, this, in Luke 22. And this... What this verse tells me when it says that he, he sweat, he's, he's, he was praying so hard that he, he sweat great drops, like great drops of blood. He was praying with his all. He was putting his all in his prayer. And how often, if ever, do we pray with our all, right? To get into a time of, of, of prayer with God that we're just... We're just going to pray, and we're going to pray that hard. I don't know about, about you, but we live in a day and an age where we need that kind of prayer, right. where we pray with every ounce of energy that we have. And that's exactly what Jesus was doing here. Sometimes we kind of throw a prayer heavenward and think that's good enough. You know, oh, yeah, yeah, you pray for him? Yeah, 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 I pray for him. You know, so after this time of prayer with God, 
Jesus went back to his disciples to, you know, only to find them, they're sleeping. They're all asleep. And the, the, the reading there says that they're sleeping from sorrow. Sleeping from sorrow. Not some, some reason, well, they just got done with a four-hour Seder meal and they ate the lamb and all of the, the vegetables and there, and man, there is late at night and, you know, like, a, like a, what we do after Thanksgiving dinner. Oh, yeah. No, they're sleeping from sorrow. Ha have you ever been so overcome with grief and sorrow to the point of being sapped of strength and stamina? That can happen. We can be so overwhelmed with our, with our grief and our sorrow that that can take place. Jesus says, why do you sleep? Rise and pray lest you enter into temptation. And there comes a time in our darkest hours that, that we have where prayer becomes our most pressing need is prayer. The most thing that we have need of is a time of prayer. And there again, that prayer with all of our strength. And then suddenly the conversation is, is uh, interrupted by a group of men. And among them was Judas Iscariot leading the charge. Doesn't tell us exactly how many men was in there, but I'm thinking there was a pretty good sized crowd. And uh, I remember we didn't, uh, we just talked about that in, in our Bible study about, and when Jesus says, I am he, they, they all fell down. You know, that's, that's out of that gospel. But Judas, he walked right up to Jesus to signify who he was and gave him a kiss. And Jesus spoke up in verse 46, Judas, are you betraying the son of man with a kiss? And the disciples, they rose up to defend their friend and Lord. Lord, shall we strike with the sword? And, and one of them struck the servant of, of the high priest and cut off his right ear. Now, John 18, this is out of Luke. But in John 18, verse 10 tells us that it was Simon Peter. Well, you could have figured it was going to be Simon if anybody was going to do it. And we talked about this Wednesday night that to cut off his right ear, he had to have probably been left-handed. You know, so, uh, you know, left-handed people, they're, they're more imaginative. I don't know because I'm not left-handed. But anyway, Jesus answered, put your sword away. And he picked up the man's ear and he put it back on his head. A miracle takes place. Now, here's a spot to think. Here's a spot to think. You're a part of a mob. And you're going out to arrest a man who is a reputed criminal and take him into custody. And you're standing right there and you've probably got the, the handcuffs in your hands, you know, to put on him. And he takes and puts a man's ear back on his head, performing a huge miracle before your very eyes. What would you do? I don't know about you, but I'd probably drop the handcuffs and take off running. Or I'd say, hey, I'm out of this. Uh, hey, I'm, this is just too much for me. Or, and start worshiping him. Start worshiping him. So, so we're in that situation. This was the will of God. This is what 
what God wanted him to do. And this entourage, they took him away to the home of the high priest where they gathered around a fire. And they're outside, and we're going to pick this up. And in Matthew, we're going to move to Matthew, it tells us this. Then Jesus said to them, All of you will be made to stumble because of me this night. For it is written, I will strike the shepherd, and the sheep of the flock will be scattered. But after I have been raised, I will go before you into Galilee. He's already telling them. He had to tell them two or three more times, but he's telling them here. And then Peter, you know, Peter, he, he answered and said, even if all were made to stumble because of you, I will never be made to stumble. And Jesus said to him, assuredly, I, I say to you that this night before the rooster crows, you will deny me three times. And Peter said to him, even if I have to die with you, I will not deny you, Lord. And so said all the disciples. You see that last part? We say, Peter, Peter. He was the ringleader here. But all the disciples, they chimed in. Yeah, yeah, me too, me too. I will too. Yeah, that's me. Yeah, yeah, count me in. Well, we all know what happened. They were in. They took off. They took off. But when he says, when Jesus says to him, I'm going to, you're before the night's over, you're going to deny me three times. Ouch. Ouch. And most of us, we'd like to say that with all sincerity that we're willing to die for Jesus. We're willing to die. We're not going to give that up. But if the day comes, could we do it? That's We can say one thing, and then when a rubber hits the road, right, it might be something else. And there are multiple accounts today of Christians who will not deny we're reading of churches being destroyed and burned down in China. They're finding people in these home churches that they're trying to hide from the government, and they're finding the people. And, and in Africa, you know, huge villages being burned down that claim to be Christians and, and people being killed and families, whole families dying. The Middle East, you know, they're, they've been beheaded because of their, their allegiance to Jesus Christ. So... Can we say, can we say, if that time ever came, what would I do? What would I do? What would you do? Now, I don't, don't allow denying Christ under the threat of death as the only way to deny Jesus. Because there, there are other ways. There are other ways. When we think about this, when the time comes, we simply... You know, Peter, he couldn't simply muster enough to publicly admit that he was a follower of Jesus until when? Pentecost and the infilling of the Holy Spirit and new power came over him. Now, we read Luke's account. We're going back to Luke. Having arrested him, they led him and brought him into the high priest's house. But Peter followed at a distance. Now when they had kindled a fire in the midst of the courtyard and sat down together, Peter sat among them. And a certain servant girl, seeing him as he sat by the fire, looked intently at him and said, This man was also with him. But he denied, he denied, saying, Woman, I do not know him. 
And after a little while, another saw him and said, you're also one of them. But Peter said, man, I am not. Then after about an hour had passed, another confidently affirmed saying, surely this fellow was also with him for he's a Galilean. How'd they know that? He had that country drawl, y'all. And then verse 60 tells us, but Peter said, man, I do not know what you're saying. And immediately while he was still speaking, the rooster crowed. And the Lord turned and looked at Peter. Well, I would hate to get that look. I would hate to see the face. Then Peter remembered the word of the Lord, how he had said to him, before the rooster crows, you will deny me three times. So Peter went out and wept bitterly. So as we move on, Jesus is taken to the so-called kangaroo court. Why do we call it that? Because it was illegal. It was illegal. The Sanhedrin priest, and as soon as Jesus assents that he is the Son of God, the Sanhedrin turns him over to Pontius Pilate. They take him over there. And after all kinds of accusations and of treason and, and, uh, and perversion, Pilate finds no fault in him. He was warned by his wife. She had a dream. She had a dream. But at the insistence of the Sanhedrin, they sent Jesus to face Herod. Boy, they were passing him all around the place that night. They were busy. They were going here and going there, then back again. And Herod was not amused. He only mocked the Lord. He mocked him and treated him with contempt. And that's back to Pilate, back to what the, the Roman government governor, what, what's he got to say? And so ultimately, Pilate gave in. He gave in to the demands of the of the, of the growing crowd and sentenced him to death on a cross. So Jesus was led away to his crucifixion. And what I want to show you is a, a video which I think is uh, one of the most touching scenes of, of the movie uh, the, the, um, the Passion of Christ. <laughs> I'm sorry. I just, John is with Mary in this scene. And so let's let's take a look at this.
Jesus was mocked as he hung on the cross. There was a video clip that from the Passion of Christ I downloaded and of his being scourged. You can't show very much of that. That's something that's hard to watch. And as realistic as it is, it's it's that's why it's hard to hard to watch. And we uh, we when we look at this, Jesus was subjected to mockery from the cross. And uh, we uh, we're subjected, each one of us, we're subjected to the mockery of of Christ every time we hear the Lord's name in vain. And every time we hear a crude joke about Jesus or, or, or Christianity. And it's, it's actually a mockery of Jesus to violate the sacred vows that we've promised to keep. When we, when we promise to uh, keep our wedding vows. And we as a church, we promise as a church to support and encourage new members that we take into our congregation. And when they make a mistake and they need our assistance, we, we need to encourage and we need to support like we promised. When I stand up here and say, do you as a church about babies and do you as a church as a, as new, with new members, you promise to pray for, to support and encourage. Jesus died on the cross that day for you and me. Amen. And it's not simply an historical event. Not just, we, we have unbelievers, a Roman, a Jew, unbelievers that tell about Jesus died and later seen. How do you do that? We have eyewitnesses that we, we read of, of here in the, in the Gospels and Paul talks in 1 Corinthians about 500 people he appeared to after he was risen from the dead. So we're going to back up a little bit. And actually we're going to read the verses again from Matthew 26. And while we're reading these, we're going to have communion. Uh, so uh, if we can have, uh, 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 well, you're, can you help us out, Larry? And uh, we'll have our, our ministers here. We'll put them to work. These guys show up. We're going to put you to work. We've got one tray, and so I'm going to, uh, uh, we're going to have an opening prayer. We're going to read the verses, and uh, you can pass out the, the elements. Uh, one one side with one, and one the other, and switch to the other side. Okay? So if you'll come on over. Thank you. Let's pray. Father, we, we thank you for this very special time tonight as we think about what took place. And we thank you, Lord, that you have given to us uh, such a, a wonderful hope because of this, this celebration of communion. And that this is not uh, something to be taken lightly. And we, we as Nazarenes, uh, only administer the, the sacrament of communion with an ordained elder in attendance. That's how our denomination views it. It's not to be taken lightly.
And Lord, tonight we do not take it lightly. We think about all that you went through and all that happened to you, and we give you praise. And so as we open up uh, this part of our service, as we conclude here tonight, we, we come to you, and we give you thanks, and we give you praise in Jesus' name. If you'll go ahead and, and pass out uh, the elements. And as we look at these verses in, uh, in Matthew chapter 26, I, uh, uh, I'm encouraged that uh, this is uh, some of the matzah and the juice that was used on Wednesday night when, uh, when Rick and Judy uh, used this as a lesson for the kids. And uh, they, they had their plates with the, uh, your, your glued down there to different things on the plate. Now that was a that was a great lesson, and some some many of us as adults we would we'd learn a lot from that. Matthew chapter twenty six, the first couple verses here. Jesus Jesus was at the table uh, with the disciples, and everything that Jesus did was for a purpose. It just seemed like. It was moving right along. He was doing everything uh, with a purpose to finish that out. There was a reason why they did what they did. And so when they, they got to uh, the certain point in the, in the Passover celebration, uh, what we, what the, the Jewish people do, they have uh, three pieces of matzah, and the one in the middle is... Uh, and we look at that as Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And the one in the middle is broken half. And they cover it with a cloth, and they, they hide it. That it's, it's, uh, it's buried. And that one in the middle is the Son, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Broken half, buried, and it's a game that the children go and find that piece that's, that's buried, that's hidden. Much like the disciples and Mary... Uh, found the tomb was empty. And so all of that, all of that goes to show what uh, the, the care that they took in, uh, in showing and making this lesson and providing this uh, for each one of us. So as we read this verse, Matthew 26, 26. You got it? Uh, make sure everybody's ready. While they were eating, Jesus took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and gave it to his disciples, saying, Take and eat, this is my body. Then verse 27, later in the meal, I believe it's the third cup. I might be wrong. The third of the fourth cups is the cup of redemption. And full of the wine, they, he lifted up that, that cup and he said, uh, 
When he had given thanks, he gave it to them, saying, Drink from it, all of you. This is my blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. He turned it into something new. I tell you, I will not drink from the fruit of the vine from now on until that day when I drink it new with you in my Father's kingdom. A future reference. They're celebrating the Passover with Moses, Jesus doing it with the disciples and pointing to the future. So let's, let's drink and remember his blood that was shed for us. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for the sacrifice. We thank you, Lord, for, for all that you're doing for us and all that you have done. We love you, Lord, and we lift you up on this night as we remember. We come to you, Lord, to, to give you praise and to give you thanks. In Jesus' name, amen. Then the very next verse, I believe it's the last verse of that chapter, verse 30, it says these words. When they had sung a hymn, they went out to the Mount of Olives. Larry's going to come and, and lead us in, in our hymn tonight. And I don't remember what the number is. 240. 240 in your hymnal. Larry? Would you stand with me and let's sing 240, Near the Cross. Mm -hmm. 